Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Kevin Schneider has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Kevin. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, January 11th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. In my from- Midwest art cave, I'm Len Peralta. I got excited. From Studio Snubs, I'm Shannon Morse. And I am the show's producer somewhere in L.A. And your Who are name you? Is? My name's Ro- Oh, oh, name. <laughs> the whole my point of Roger. you talking at all? You it's can tell because- it's the end of CES week. It's- yeah, it is. My my brain was left in Vegas. <laughs> right next to that Chang. 12 million jackpot. You're the listener. We're going to tell you a lot of good tech news today, as well as uh, give you our takeaways on CES. Kind of wrap up our CES coverage with, with the things that left the impression on us. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Ford is closing its chariot on-demand bus business as of February 1st. A lot of friends of mine in San Francisco are pretty bummed about this. Chariot launched in 2014 in San Francisco and used algorithms to develop routes based on customer demand. Trips cost around $4. Ford acquired the service in 2016. So your chariot no longer awaits. Mm-hmm. Aww. Bungie announced Thursday that it is ending its contract with Activision Blizzard and retaining the rights to its Destiny video games franchise. Bungie says that it will publish Destiny on its own while Activision focuses on its own IP projects. The two companies partnered in 2010, releasing Destiny in 2014 and Destiny 2 in 2017, both of which are amazing video games, by the way. Yeah. And so Bungie publishing it itself was its Destiny. Yeah. That's this child. <laughs> oh, yeah. This will be... No, that's good. And the, the parents are divorcing. AT&T said it will stop selling access to customer location data entirely in the wake of that motherboard report showing such data can end up being misused. We talked about that Wednesday on the show. AT&T says all agreements will be terminated by March. T-Mobile also said it will end all location aggregator sales in March. And Verizon is winding down its remaining agreements, which are all with roadside assistance services. They didn't have any with the shadier aspects, but they're just going to end all of theirs as well. Speaking of discontinuing things, Google has discontinued the Chromecast audio device. However, Google says it will continue to offer assistance for Chromecast audio devices. Yeah, so you won't be cut off from support, but 
You can't buy them. And Video Land put up a counter at its booth at CES to document its passing of 3 billion downloads of VLC on Friday. Video Land told Variety that it will implement AirPlay on its apps, which would make it possible to cast video from an Android device to an Apple TV or an AirPlay-enabled television, which we had plenty of announced at CES. Videoland also demonstrated some enhanced support for VR headsets uh, with minimal lines of code added. They did some reverse engineering and says it is looking to build out a more complete media library for VLC in order to make it simple to switch from iTunes. They say we're not going to try to compete with Kodi and Plex. Uh, we're just going to make it make a little media library uh, situation. It'll make it a little easier. All right. Let's talk a little more about not discontinuing, Shannon, but declining of a market. Yes. IDC reported shipments of traditional PCs fell 3.7% in Q4 over last year. It was the largest decline since Q3 of 2016. PC sales were down on the on the year, uh, 0.4%. As a result, IDC attributed the decline to processor shortages and uncertainties around the U.S.-China trade dispute. Gardner, which reported similar declines, expects demand to improve in 2019 as CPUs become more available. Lenovo is now the top PC maker worldwide with 24% market share ahead of HP's 23.6% and Dell's 16.5%. Apple is in fourth place at 7.2%. Worldwide, wow. which is actually not, not that bad, uh, although yeah. they, they used to be a little bit higher on the list, I think. Um, still... Uh, those are your those are your four PC makers weathering the storm worldwide, and they're hanging in there. But you may have if you haven't been following this closely, you may think, well, yeah, PC market's been in decline forever. What's the big news? It had started to recover in 2016. It kind of hit its level, and then was started to rise back up. So this this chip manufacturing issue uh, is really the thing that hit it, especially in a holiday quarter when pretty much everything should sell better or, or at least stay flat. So to have a decline in the holiday quarter is pretty bad. Uh, but Gartner seems to think it's mostly about the chip sales. Uh, IDC gives a little more credence to the the uncertainty around trade relations uh, to it. But both of these companies think that we probably will see some stabilization as, as these matters get resolved in the coming year. Poland has arrested two individuals on charges of spying for China. Wang Weijing, also called Stanislaw Wang, works as head of sales at Huawei and was an attache at the Chinese embassy in Poland from 20, uh, 2006 through to, uh, 2011. Stanislaw Zarin, a spokesperson for Poland's Internal Security Agency, or ISA, told Reuters that Mr. Wang's arrest, quote, doesn't have anything to do with the company he works for, end quote. The other is a Polish man uh, named as Piotr D. Piotr, like Peter. Piotr. Piotr D., who works for French Telecom Orange and previously worked for PLAN's Internal Security Agency. Poland's <laughs> Internal Security Agency. Uh, yeah. I, I like to call it P-Land, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. <laughs> if Polish people are okay with that, let us know. Feedback at dailytechnewshow.com. It seems pretty hip to me. Uh, the, <laughs> the reason I wanted to talk about this is you're going to see a lot of headlines that really focus on the fact that Huawei's CFO is is still uh, subject to extradition from Canada to the U.S. Uh, on charges of violating sanctions around Iran. This does not seem to be related to that. That That's why I, I took this BBC quote uh, from Poland's internal security agency, uh, particularly because I don't see it being reported in a lot of other places. 
And I think that's important to note that while we're not trying to exonerate Huawei of anything or, or go one way for another, uh, it, it is important to note that not everything that an employee of Huawei does is part of the other things that Huawei is under investigation for. Uh, this seems to be totally unrelated to the tech world. I, I think it's just two people who were put in, in place to do some spying for China. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's, and there's all kinds of other speculation you could have about that, but, but I'm not, I'm not sure this really bears on the Huawei situation is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation currently going on with the Huawei information, especially from the standpoint of, you know, Westerners uh, in the U S. So this is uh, it's kind of going along with following along with what's currently happening with Huawei and seeing how it turns out. So we'll, we'll keep updated on it for yeah. sure. It's, it's, it's going to be almost impossible for every human being on earth, not to try to put those two stories together. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no evidence that they are. Uh, it's coincident. Uh, it's correlation, maybe not necessarily <laughs> any causal link. A study from the Center for the Governance of AI and Oxford University's Future of Humanity Institute has found that people in the U.S. generally support regulation for artificial intelligence and have some mixed feelings about the development of AI. So on supporting development, 41% support development, while 28% neither support or oppose it, 22% actively oppose it at some level, and 10% just don't know. So I mean, out of these four categories, more people support it than not, but a lot of people just aren't sure uh, whether they support it or not or don't know, which honestly, I think that's the rational uh, reaction at this point is, you know what? We need to see what's really going on here first. Uh, that would be a headline. Most people have rational reaction to question. Uh, 34% <laughs> of people in the United States believe that AI will be bad for humanity, while 26% think it will be good. So more people think it'll be bad than good. But again, 21% are neutral. They're like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure one way or the other. And 18% are like, I just don't know. I don't know if it'll be bad or good. Uh, again, more people holding off like, mm, let's let's wait for more data. Uh, the study shows that most people believe that the issues around AI that are most important are data privacy and security. Uh, university researchers in the U.S. military topped the list of who people trust to build AI. They're like, I'm okay if researchers are doing it. I'm pretty okay with the military doing it. Tech companies were third on the list. And then after that, they're like, yeah, most people didn't trust them. Uh, the, Surprising. it's interesting that there is such a big group of people saying, we understand what's going on and we just have no opinion. The don't know people I get, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's dangerous. I have no idea. But, but, but the sort of like, I have no opinion folks probably are part of that don't know category yeah no that's a good that's a good question right is it that they they just didn't want to appear dumb on the survey so they said don't know uh right. or or is it that they're like no I know, I know what's going on but i haven't made my decision yet i'm still still waiting to find out that's kind of what i would say i would say neither good nor bad i i think it's too early to tell 
I think it's too early to tell as well. And I am in agreement that the biggest issues or concerns that I have are privacy and security. Um, but I don't look at AI as being a bad thing. So I guess I would be in that lesser percentage of people. Um, I think we, we have a lot of negative connotations towards AI because of what we've been ingrained to think based on what we've seen from like Hollywood mm-hmm. for the longest time. Uh, when in actuality, we're seeing some really good concepts come out of it, um, which I'll, I'll mention even a couple of interesting ways uh, in our CES takeaways. Uh, so I think that it might be a good thing, but we're going to have to keep an eye on it and make sure that it's not taken advantage of to, you know, to lessen our privacy that we should have as individuals. That's a really good point. I might answer the development question as, yes, I think we should develop it. But I would answer the good or bad as, well, that's all going to depend on how we use it. The AI mm-hmm. itself isn't good or bad. It's it's what we do with it uh, that exactly. makes it good or bad. Well, let's uh, let's let's find out a little bit about facial analysis. Yes, let's. A genomics AI company FDNA has developed a facial image analysis framework called Deep Gestalt that can diagnose some genetic conditions based on facial images at a higher accuracy rate than doctors. In tests to identify, and hopefully I say this correctly, Cornelia de Lange syndrome and Angelman syndrome, Deep Gestalt uh, achieved 90% accuracy while doctors were between 70 to 75%. It also achieved 90% accuracy diagnosing diagnosing hundreds of images containing 216 different disorders. FDNA published a peer-reviewed study on their technology in nature medicine. You know, at CES, we ran into several companies who were like, we can figure out what kind of skin you have based on this photo of you. You kind of go like, okay, I'm either into this or not. But something like this is, is, uh, it's like magic to me. The fact that you can look at a photo and be able to help diagnose somebody who might have a medical condition. Well, and some medical conditions, if you think about them, uh, are are obvious through facial recognition. Something like Down syndrome has has a pattern sure. that mm-hmm. that even the layman can say, "Oh, okay, I can I can see that. I can see why why mm-hmm. that uh, exists." So, going from there, I think the way this works apparently is they chop up the the facial images into a bunch of of different little pieces basically uh and then they analyze them and it's the typical machine learning uh system of saying all right well let's uh let's actually go ahead and and uh and and look at whether these little markers that we note match the ones that we've been told are actually uh, markers of this. And, and that's how machine learning works. It, it keeps going through that and keeps going through that until, until it gets really good at it. It's a beautiful concept because people are, are constantly being misdiagnosed uh, for things, especially when it's a hidden uh, uh, condition that you can't necessarily, that you have to go into a doctor and describe to them. They can't necessarily see it straight at your face. So having something that could use technology to be able to help determine uh, what the issue is can, can really, really help uh, a lot of people not get misdiagnosed in the future. And a lot of these diagnostic tools are assistant tools. We're not saying we need right. to replace doctors, but again, this can can tell a doctor, hey, this is likely to be someone who suffers from this condition. And then that doctor can make a more in-depth examination and look for other th- things that they might not have looked at otherwise. You know, so if, if this diagnosis says, hey, I think this person has uh, Cornelia DeLange syndrome, then the doctor will take the time to look for other signs that 
the doctor wouldn't have bothered to look for if they didn't see any other sign of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Better um, use of skills as a doctor. What's that? Better use of skills as a doctor. Yeah, right. Better, and it helps better, to, better use of time, too, I think. Uh, more than 80 TLS certificates for .gov websites in the United States have expired during the U.S. government shutdown. Netcraft.com has a great article going into what this means. But with these certificates expired, some sites will be insecure because you, you don't have a security certificate to rely on anymore. And some are inaccessible because they take part in a, a privacy or a security program that if the security certificate goes out of date, they don't load the site. Uh, because they don't want to load an insecure version of the site. Sites affected include NASA, the U.S. Department of Justice, and the U.S. Court of Appeals. Yeah, this is a pretty big concern from my security and privacy standpoint. Uh, There's two different types. There's the HSTS, which is the HTTP strict transport security, which uh, you'll still see HTTPS, but you, you can't see necessarily from a consumer standpoint if somebody has implemented that. But those websites are completely down uh, because they implemented HSTS. The ones that you can still access are ones that have HTTPS, but they did not implement HSTS on their TLS certificates. Those ones will just be bypassed and you can still go to them via HTTP. But of course, you definitely should not be logging in, especially if you're on like public Wi-Fi or if you're if if there's any way that you could potentially be sniffed because all of that data would be plain text. Yeah. So, so if you're just reading a page on NASA, not as much of a concern. Yeah. Uh, but if you're at the Department of Justice filling out a form, you don't want to be doing that unless you have a proper certificate, right? Exactly. Exactly. So this is a major concern, especially because there's nobody watching those sites right now. There's nobody making sure that your forms are being filed correctly or Mm -hmm. anything. So your stuff is just sitting there. So I'm just going to avoid all of those websites until the shutdown is over. (laughs) But that's not necessarily something that everybody can do. Like if you have something that's very time sensitive. Right who's going to be there like this is this is really important and it's honestly pretty scary that yeah. there's a lot of government sites that are up to potential vulnerabilities right now yeah and 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 it's it's one thing to say well i'm going to be smart and hold off on my filing if i can or make my filing in a in an offline way uh however if somebody isn't aware and gets fished because of this, because there's some hijacking going on. And uh, Ars Technica has a big report today about a wave of domain name hijackings going on. Uh, suddenly this becomes a bigger deal. Right. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget we have another show that we bring to you. Rich Straffolino, Sarah Lane, and myself uh, bring you five minutes of all the important headlines every day at dailytechheadlines.com. So the Best of CES Awards were announced by Engadget. Engadget's been a partner with the CTA for the past few years to determine the official Best of CES Award winners, uh, which is near and dear to my heart because uh, Tech TV was the official partner for Best of CES back when Sarah and Roger and I worked there. And CNET uh, was a official partner of Best of CES when I worked there. So I've kind of been involved with this. And, I, and our good friend Nicole Lee is integral in determining these for Engadget. The CES Best of the Best Award winner was the Impossible Burger 2.0, despite not being a a tech product. It's a burger. (laughs) Uh, But it was on display officially as part of CES, and people were very impressed by it. 
Well, um, it, uh, and I have not personally tried the Impossible Burger, but I know that people do love it. Do we feel like this is a tech product? It was at CES. It's a science product. So CTA, I mean, science product. It is a food. It is a food technology development to be able to create a plant-based meat burger. It's not electronics, though, and it's the consumer electronics show. So that, you know, I don't know, CTA gets to widen out the, they used to be the Consumer Electronics Association. Now they're the Consumer Technology Association. So, hey, why not uh, go ahead and widen it out? Maybe that E doesn't need to mean what it used to be. Maybe it can be the Consumer Everything Show. I get more concerned whenever I see things at CES that are just being straight sold to businesses because I feel like it, since it's the Consumer Electronics Show, this should definitely be focused on you know, the consumers and what consumers mm-hmm. can purchase and consumers can use. So when I see B2B products, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Unless it's something that I can actually see and use as as a person who is a you know consumer of that business that purchased a thing. Um, but when it comes to the burger, I do think of this as a consumer mm-hmm. technological item. Um, I've tried the original Impossible Burger, and I did think the 2.0 was way better. It tasted delicious, by the way. It was very, mm, very good. I'm jealous. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know if I agree with it being best of the best, uh, but it is something that's very influential, and I do hope that it helps uh, our, our economy and our environment in the long run. So no to B to B, yes to beef to me. <laughs> Yes. Even if it's fake beef. Okay. Uh, We should also point out that the heated razor from Gillette Labs won the People's Choice Award. The People's Choice Award, you could vote online or in person. They had kiosks at the Engadget booth there in the Central Hall. Uh, So, yeah, a lot of uh, of guys like that heated razor from Gillette Labs. Uh, So congratulations to Gillette. Uh, Let's talk about our own takeaways from the Consumer Electronics Show as we wrap up this week of coverage. And Shannon, we'll start with you. Uh, We heard a little bit about some of the things that impressed you on Wednesday's show. Uh, What's your final word on on CES? Yeah, I got to talk a a little bit about like video gaming, especially on Wednesday when I was on the show with y'all. But uh, one thing that I did notice when I was walking around more from a broader perspective was that assistance, whether it's Google Assistant or Alexa or whatever it might be, is getting a lot smarter. Uh, And I say this because I saw several different items that weren't just like, oh, you can voice activate this thing. And hey, that's really cool. But also things that I've never seen it in. Uh, For example, I saw a convection oven, which is from June, uh, juneoven.com. This thing was pretty interesting in that it has a camera built in and it can identify the food that you stick in there before it's cooked. And it will set the correct temperature and the time for you and everything. And then it's connected to an app so you can watch your food as it cooks. We saw uh, a similar course. thing from Grundig uh, that was that was doing the, the same sort of thing. So that seems to be a trend. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty cool that they're they're implementing cameras that can identify more than just like facial rec- recognition. They're using it to actually uh, take a look at other items. And we've like seen a little bit of this in uh, Google's uh, technology in their camera, which you can use on the smartphone. So you can point it at a thing and then it will find it on the web and tell you what that thing is. So it's nice to see it in something other than a smartphone. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. I also saw something that is B2B that was at CES. It was called Wheel 
over at wheel.us, W-H-I-L-L.us. This was a, it was a wheelchair, uh, but it was a smart wheelchair. They did come out with one last year and that one was, you know, connected and everything and you can drive around with it. And I believe you could control it with your smartphone and it's very, very powerful. The one that they introduced this year was self-driving. So their idea and their envision of this is to sell it to like hospitals or airports and when you're a consumer and you go to the airport, for example, and you need a wheelchair, you can download the app and just call a wheelchair and it would arrive to you all by itself. And uh, I was able to try one out. I was able to demo it and sit in it. And I tried to run into things, including barriers and people, and it stopped every single time. So it had very good sensors on it. Uh, it was pretty cool to be able to control one of those from your from your phone. And I think that being able to have that smart technology built in uh, would enable airports to focus, you know, their employees on other things other than pushing wheelchair around, you know, they would be able to focus on, um, you know, training at, at the, you know, baggage reservation or something like other things that humans are much better at like customer service, as opposed to just pushing a wheelchair around. If a wheelchair can push itself around, that's awesome. I think yeah. that's really cool. If it works, <laughs> if it works, uh, that, well, and that reminds me that Rod, one of Roger's takeaways I know is self-driving tech in general, mm-hmm. right? Roger. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that, uh, Tom and, uh, Sarah know quite well is I loved strolling through the North hall on the way to our Set. Every chance you could get, Roger's yeah. like, we just cut through the North Hall. Where all the, the cars hall. are, yeah, you know, Where and, uh, the car hall. And uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the 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 big things was that uh, autonomous and semi-autonomous uh, driving uh, was huge. Whether it was a car, or whether it was infrastructure, whether it was component devices that you know, uh, you know, Nvidia or whatever was gonna, trying to sell uh, to car manufacturers, it was huge. Um, and it kind of really kind of sets the tone of where a lot of these companies are kind of positioning their Halo automotive products, whether you know they're, it, it's it's a brand new car or it's an augmented design. Uh, you know, it, self-driving is is definitely something they all think is a, a feasible uh, a, a business model uh, moving forward. The other thing I noticed was I liked the way that health. Uh, took more of a, uh, a a bigger profile this year, and it wasn't just fitness or some variation on fitness tracking uh, that I was really impressed by. Now you had devices like the uh, Tato, which was basically uh, you know an all-in-one uh, orth- or not orthopedic pediatric uh, mm. device to send. Um, data to your pediatrician without having to, you know, take your kid to the doctor's office if it's something that you don't know was serious or not. It was kind of one of those things like, you know, aha, I wish they had this five months ago and I could have been spared sending my kid to the hospital. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, when you say kid sending your kid to the hospital sounds dangerous, but it was because you, you just needed to get someone to look at her right away. Ended yeah. up not being serious, but this kind of thing could, could save on that for sure. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, and, and that kind of ties in, Sarah, do I know some of your takeaways? Yeah. So my, my, my big takeaway from CES this year was it seemed like it was more organized than it has been in years past. And maybe it, that's because we're organized on maybe. DTNS. Yeah. Is it them or us? Hmm. Good uh, question. Yeah. It, you know, uh, probably both. 
But um, I found that because we were our, our little booth was in Central Hall, which is, you know, where all the big companies are. And in years past, you know, you're jostling people and it's 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 crowded and kind of kind of a big deal. And uh, when I walked through this year, I found that there was stuff on display and, uh, you know, folks that you can talk to if you wanted to know more about the products. And it just it just felt like I could breathe a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. What I did also note, though, was, and part of this was because we uh, ran into somebody that Tom and Roger and Shannon and I have all, all worked with previously, who's in the 3D printing business now. And he said, yeah, you know, 3D printers, it's not really the big thing at CES that it was a few years ago. Now there's another convention, you know, in the Midwest that, that that's, that's the real place that we go. And, you know, even as somebody who follows tech and, you know, tries to keep up on all the stuff, I had never heard of this other convention. This There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Other trade show, you know, that this person was talking about. So I think if you are in the business of particular things, 3D printing or, uh, I don't know, uh, microphones or, yeah, or security or something is a, a niche part of CES, it definitely is going to appear at CES. But there are other places where it actually is more worth your while as somebody who is living and breathing this. And, and, you know, that's, that's interesting to me. And and that's true of the the big brands too. Uh, you don't see Samsung announcing everything at CES. They pick and choose uh, what, what they're going to announce there and what they're going to announce in their own events. Apple doesn't even show up. Microsoft doesn't have a booth. So it is interesting to see CES evolve. And I think that's ties right into my takeaway, which is niche products like health, like food, uh, 
are more apparent and and it's 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 easier to access them and those are the places where the real new things are going to be mm-hmm. seen uh versus you know s- uh, some big company that's been doing the same thing for 15 years except 15 years ago it was 720p TVs and now it's 8k TVs but it's you know roughly the same thing <laughs> it's it's harder sometimes to find those really new items uh but because the big companies are are kind of taking the pressure off by by not showing everything at CES. Yeah, I, I feel like I was able to see them more too. And, and maybe that's just me being more organized as well. But thanks to everybody uh, who supports the show that allows us to do CES coverage. And let us know what you thought. If you liked our, our coverage this week, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thanks to everyone who supports us on our subreddit. You help us pick our stories every day. Submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you want to hang out on Facebook with us, well, I've got good news for you. We've got a group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the mailbag before we wrap up the week. Let's do it. Chris from Canada had a response for uh, episode 3445. Chris says, you were talking about how different ages tended to share more or less fake news with older people sharing more potentially news that isn't exactly uh, kosher. No, it was a story uh, yesterday that said it's the 65 plus people that shared the most determined fake news. Yeah. Right. Uh, Chris says, I think Roger made a good point. Might have been cut off. Uh, Though the older generation may not know how to use Facebook, it's possible they're still trying to use that old paradigm of news. That's TV and newspapers having story vetting journalists that you believe in uh, to Facebook news, which is shared by friends and unvalidated and it's websites and etc. If you assume your source is always validated, you may tend to share more. It's not enough just to be able to use new technology, but it's also required to understand the new paradigm in order to use it effectively. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Chris. All right, let's check in with Len Peralta, who has been illustrating this week's show again. Thank you, Len. What do you got for us this week? You know, I didn't make it to CES this week. I was one of the only panelists that did make it to CES. So uh, I uh, I had to use the Engadget uh, guide that you uh, mm-hmm, pasted mm-hmm. In, the, uh, uh, in the notes. And uh, this is that. This is the best of CES 2019, according to Engadget. It's got all these great little things that um, uh, that you guys didn't really talk about. So if you haven't checked out that uh, that uh, uh, story, uh, be sure to check it out. You'll also see the Impossible <laughs> Burgers in this thing. And uh, Roger, I don't think you talked about the Mapo tofu. Oh yes, you? that was Roger's other takeaway, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was basically Roger, what I tell ordered. us about your favorite meal. That, <laughs> yeah, that is that my actually, favorite uh, Chinese takeout dishes. That uh, actually made <laughs> it into this drawing. So uh, that's so. That's, if you want to uh, know Roger's real favorite takeaway, if you want to see the best of CES represented, we actually saw the Jack's Jocks uh, smart bell that she's carrying here. We saw that mm-hmm. at uh, Digital we did. Experience. We did. Uh, we did. We we definitely talked a lot about the Impossible Burger. So you know you'll see some stuff that you recognize. In here, uh, where should they go, Len, if they want to see? They it? should go to lenperaltstore.com, or if they become a Patreon uh, and become a DTNS lover level, they get these for free at the end of every month. So check it out there, lenperaltstore.com. Excellent. Thank you, Len. You're welcome. Our email address is feedback no, at oh, daily so techni- What about Shannon? we got to say goodbye to Shannon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bye, Shannon. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, Shannon, for joining us, uh, not only today, but Wednesday as well. We really appreciated you uh, being with us. And uh, if folks want to find out more about where you are and where they can get your takes on CES and coverage and other things, where should they go? Uh, YouTube.com slash tech thing, T-E-K thing. Uh, yeah, our YouTube. You can tell that we are all very tired because it's the end of the CES week. But if you are interested, um, I link to the YouTube channel because that's where we are updating all of our CES coverage gotcha. and all of it will be found over there much quicker than our techthing.com website. Uh, but yeah, we're covering, I believe we have 10 to 12 videos that will be coming out. We still have a few more that are going to release of our CES coverage. And then we will be back, of course, next week for our usual Thursday show covering everything technology, reviews, how-tos, especially security and privacy. Thank you, Shannon. And thanks to everybody who supports us at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. There are all kinds of ways to support us that you can find there. And if you're a patron, uh, just put up a new editor's desk column. It's an audio column. Not, not So it may be column is the wrong word, but it's, it's an audio uh, recording of me sharing thoughts about how we cover technology. And this week, I talked about a little bit of my perspective of how to cover CES and how that has changed over the years. So if you want to hear a little bit about the decisions we made uh, for covering CES, because I've I've been there and tried to cover it wall to wall, I've not gone and covered it remotely, and then you know sort of where how we ended up uh, with the situation that we had this week uh, covering it. Check it out at Patreon.com/slash/DTNS. I'll remind you of our email address now, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Send those, send those feedback emails to us. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. And you can find out more and tell a friend. Share it with your mom or your aunt or your uncle or your niece. Dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.